Good morning. Welcome to uh, Memorial United Methodist Church. My name is Ralph Johnson. I'm the lay leader here. Uh, I'm standing in for Joe Kate, who is our minister. He's away getting some continuing education and hopefully we'll be back in town today. Uh, with me up here is Reese Hannon. Reese is a uh, homegrown boy and uh, has been coming to this church uh, his entire life. And um, in Joe's stead, he is going to bring the message to us this morning. Hopefully you received a bulletin when you came in this morning. In it you'll find uh, today's order of worship and the announcements. The announcements are organized by um, our five practices of a fruitful con congregation. Uh, please take time to, to read it and respond to any of those that may interest you. Uh, we're especially eager and uh, appreciative to have visitors today. We believe you'll find Memorial to be a friendly and a welcoming church. Uh, we'll ask that those closest to the, to the center aisle uh, take the, take the uh, registration pad and pass it down and then uh, put it in the offering plate when it comes around. Uh, if you are a visitor and you'd like for us to contact you, then there is a place for you to note that on, the, on that pad uh, as it passes through and we would uh, welcome the opportunity to uh, get in touch with you. Um, for all the young people, school has started either this past week or will start this coming week. Uh, so today we have a special blessing for those youngsters, teachers, and administrators. Aaron Knight, our Director of Children and Family Ministers, and Katie Kate, our Youth Director, will lead us in the uh, blessing of the backpacks. And there were about, I counted about 30 at the nine o'clock service. Uh, we've got a, uh, a few less than that today, but uh, Aaron. Thank you. I'm Erin Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries. At this time, I would like to invite anyone who's a teacher or a student of any age to come forward. If you don't have a backpack, I don't want that to stop you from coming up. Um, we can bless your backpack in absentia, that's okay. Uh, if you um, already brought your backpack, that's fine. Otherwise, just bring it now. And you can collect these at the end of the service. Congregation, would you please open your bulletins to the front insert to the blessing of the backpacks. God is the source of all wisdom and knowledge. Let us ask God to bless those who seek to learn and those who guide them. Lord, Lord hear our prayers. We pray for students as they begin this new year, that the Spirit of God may grant them the gifts of wisdom and understanding. Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for teachers, 
that they may share their knowledge with patience, compassion, and enthusiasm for their students. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all administrators, school leaders, and volunteers that they ensure a safe and welcoming environment for all. Please join me as we pray. Lord our God, in your wisdom and love, you surround us with the mysteries of the universe. Throughout history, you have sent us your prophets to teach your laws and to bear witness to your undying love. Send your spirit upon us all and fill us with your wisdom and blessings that we may serve one another and your community. Remind us that wherever we go, you are always with us. Fill us with the joy of learning so we may be better equipped to be your servants. Now please join me in praying the Lord's Prayer as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, if those of you up front will hold just a moment where you are, we'll pass out some blessing backpack tags. Please uh, stand as you're able for our first hymn, number 150.
Please remain standing as we affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed, which can be found on page 881 of your hymnal. You're welcome to join us, or you may listen as we repeat this historic confession of our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the first scripture lesson is from Psalm 89 verses 14 through 18 that can be found in your pew Bible on page 927. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They exult in your righteousness. For you are their glory and strength, and by your favor you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this day, for this beautiful sanctuary where we can come to worship you in quiet stillness. We pray that each of us will be inspired by the music and the message so that when we leave this place, we can spread the message of your saving grace by how we act and by what we say. We pray for your healing power to those on our prayer list and for those known only to us individually. We ask that you be with Reese today as he brings your word to life and for the safe return of uh, Joe Kate as he travels today. We lift this prayer in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples to pray saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We have uh, several ways to give. You may place your tithe uh, in the offering plate as it passes, or there are instructions online and in the bulletin on giving electronically. If you're a guest, we don't expect you to rely we don't expect you to give, but to rely on the generosity of our people.
Be seated. Good morning. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say thank you. Um, like Ralph said, I grew up in this church and I've always wanted to do this. Um, I've, we've been fortunate here to have uh, great ministers that I've been able to uh, see over the years. John Rush and George Strait and now Joe. And it's, it's an honor to be standing up here and, and, and have the opportunity to speak to you today. So when I was at Furman, I, uh, I had a coach one time that our preseason meeting. So first day of camp, everybody's just moved in, entire team's there. Uh, first thing he gets up, he says to us, uh, hey guys, what's the one guarantee this football season? Everybody kind of looked around at each other, trying to figure out uh, what he was trying to say, because coaches, you never know. You never know, you know, they could say anything. So everybody's trying to figure it out, and a couple guys should say, oh, we're gonna have some injuries this year. That's Good bet, safe bet. So Mike says, oh, you know, we're gonna have, we're gonna win this year, okay? Not, not as safe a bet. Um, and, and, um, and then one guy, you know, trying to be funny, said, oh, we're gonna be hot and tired, coach, we're gonna be hot and tired. Everybody looked around, people started shouting, we didn't get the answer he was looking for. So he gets a, a expo marker, he turns around the board, and in big letters, he writes adversity on the board. That's always stuck with me since that day. Because he's right. The one guarantee we had in a football season is adversity. When you expand that out, the one guarantee we have in life is adversity. When I think of adversity, it's kind of an umbrella term. There's a lot of things that kind of go into that, right? So today's scripture, I want to point out two things that kind of go into the adversity category. Uh, first is uncertainty. We're always going to have uncertainty in life. I'm the kind of guy who likes to have a plan, I like to know the direction I'm headed and that way I can do what I need to do to, to get to that goal. And, and as a 24 year old who's trying to start a career, I'm finding that uh, that's not always the case. You know, you don't always know exactly where you're gonna go. There's a lot of uncertainty. The second thing is failure. Everybody's always heard, you know, you can't win them all. Sometimes we're going to do things in life where uh, we try as hard as we can. We just, we just don't get it done. We just fail. Sometimes we're going to be going in the wrong direction. We should be going over here, but we're going this way. And we fail. But I, you know, Like I said, I, I've learned that adversity is, is the one guarantee in life. But uh, I've also learned that adversity is not so much about what kind of adversity or how hard it hits you or any of that. It's more about how you can get hit by it and pick yourself up and keep moving in the right direction. That's what it's about. In today's scripture, we're going to see an example of that and, and see how we can try to pick ourselves up and how Jesus can help us get moving in the right direction. Uh, so similar to Joe, I'm going to read kind of broken up a little bit. I'm going to start here in John 21, uh, verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Uncertainty. 
like I said, it's a guarantee. Not always going to know the right direction to go in, what to do next. How do we react? What, what do we usually do when we're uncertain? I think I can speak for myself and maybe some of you, but uh, I think we tend to do things that are comfortable to us. We're not sure what exactly we need to be doing. I think uh, I've heard plenty of times, well, I'll just do it the same way I've been doing it for years. I'll just do the same thing I always do. There's some, there's some upsides to that. Doesn't stretch you much. It's kind of easy. It's comfortable. You can, you know, you, you know how to do it, so you just kind of proceed. But there are also some negatives, some downsides to doing that comfortable thing. Sometimes the comfortable thing is not going to allow you to grow any. Sometimes you're just going to settle in doing the comfortable thing and look 10 years later and you realize, well, man, this, this, I'm in the same place I was. Sometimes you might be going in the wrong direction. That comfortable thing might be taking you one way, but you need to go this way. These disciples that I just read about in this first couple of verses there, they're facing the ultimate uncertainty. Their entire lives as they grew up, they read the scriptures and they kind of expected when we have a savior, when he comes, he's going to be a political leader. He's going to kind of take over. We're going to be in control. And, and this is what this is. This is what's going to happen when the savior comes. So Jesus comes and, to, you know, he's the savior. They're expecting this one thing that they had, that they had read throughout their whole life. And you look back and, uh, and then some of their interactions with Jesus, they never really got it. They never really got it. When Jesus said he was going to be crucified and he was going to suffer, and um, they were like, ah, Jesus, you're the Savior. That's, you know, that's, that's not going to happen. It's not the way it works. It's not what we expect. So they never got it. They were, they were so close and they never got it. So in their uncertainty, what did they do? Peter just kind of said, well, standing here probably looking around like, well, you know, after all that time spent with Jesus and, you know, really focused on his mission, what do we do? And, and Peter just says, well, I guess I'll go fish. That's what he knew. That was comfortable. That's what he did before. I think it's also important to point out that the other disciples that were with him said, we'll go with you. Sure, everybody has... Uh, some illustration they can think of sometime in their life when uh, something happened, some adversity hit, and uh, nobody really knew what to do. They were kind of standing around, looking around, waiting for somebody, waiting for somebody, and then somebody stands up and says, well, we'll just do, you know, we won't change. We'll just kind of do what we usually do. And then everybody else is like, oh, yeah, what well, he said, let's go with him. We'll do the same thing. That's what we have here. Peter uh, leads them back into the comfortable thing. Then you get down to the bottom here and it says they went out in the boat that night they caught nothing. So they were uncertain about what direction to go in and un uncertain what they needed to do and then um, they do the comfortable thing they go fishing and they fail. They fail. They go out and they don't catch anything. I, I've, I'm sure some of you heard this but a lot of my illustrations and things have to do with football. It's kind of my background. But a coach used to tell me that uh, the definition of insanity is uh, doing the same thing over and over again and, and expecting different results. This is not much different with Peter here. Uh, when Jesus called him, he was fishing, and he couldn't catch any then without Jesus. And Jesus told him to try on the other side, and he caught a bunch of fish. And uh, 
Here we have the same thing. Peter goes back to fishing, doing the thing as if Jesus in that time never really had an impact, and he failed. They failed. They couldn't catch any fish. So those repeated actions and the going back to the comfortable thing didn't work. Now I'm going to go to verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Failure. As I said in the beginning, it's a part of life. Not always going to get it right. We just won't. I think it's important to point out in those three verses, the disciple, Peter and the disciples fail at three different things. They all tell us something different. First, they fail because they don't catch any fish. They were uncertain. They didn't know what to do. Peter leads them back to these comfortable things they've always done. Doesn't work. Their life and the way they lived doesn't work anymore. After their time with Jesus and their effort spent on the mission with Jesus, the old things didn't work anymore. Number two, they fail because they don't recognize Jesus. When Jesus was there and they were following Jesus, they knew their mission, their eyes, their vision, their belief was on Jesus and what he was doing. Now Jesus is gone and, you know, everything's kind of in shambles a little bit. And uh, that focus has now shifted. Their vision's no longer on Jesus. Their vision's on how many, how many fish can we catch. Third thing they fail they can't haul in the net. Now that Jesus isn't there and they're not focused on the mission and their, um, and their life isn't working the way it used to before Jesus came, their strength, their endurance is weaker. They can't do it by themselves. They can't haul in those fish. What we see here is the disciples still didn't get it. <coughs> They didn't, realize, uh, they didn't realize the impact Jesus and his mission should have on their life going forward. They just went right back to what they always do and lost sight of their mission. So now before I go down to verse 15, I'm going to give you a little context of what happens in the middle. So uh, finally when they catch the fish, then, then they realize that, uh, that it's Jesus. And Peter strips his robe off, swims to the shore. They get to the shore. And Jesus cooks them breakfast. Um, they eat, and, and then they start to have this conversation. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? 
He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. What I want to point out from those verses is the repetition. We see a repeated question from Jesus, repeated response, and a repeated command. Now let's look at it from Peter's perspective. How do we usually react to repetition? What are some ways that we react to repetition? I, you know, I'm trying to think about you know, in my life how I react. and uh, One way, we can get tired of it. Get tired of repetition. So I think, you know, I did way too many three-step drops and throwing slants. You get tired of it. You get tired of it. I'm sure all of you have those things that you just have to practice over and over and over again to get tired of it. You get bored of it. Another way we can react is we get angry, get annoyed. When, uh, when somebody keeps repeating the same question to you or keep repeating the same thing for you to do, you're kind of like, oh, gosh, yes, okay, okay, I'll do it. Another way is we can dismiss it. So somebody kind of starts repeating the same question. You can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. Not really listening. It's like, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. And another way, the way I think we have here is we remember. That can mean a lot of different things, but um, there's been times I know when somebody's repeated a lot of things to me, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, man, I better do that. And it saves us a little bit before, you know, we get on the wrong side of it. Or it can be on the wrong side of it. Somebody keeps repeating something to us, repeating something to us, and then we're like, clicks to us, and like, man, I didn't do that, or I did the wrong thing. I shouldn't have done that. We kind of become disappointed in ourselves. I think that's what we have here. So when Jesus asks him the first two times, Peter's like, yeah, Lord, you know I love you. I think Peter's kind of dismissing that a little bit. You know, he's just, he's full. Jesus just cooked him breakfast. Uh, so he's kind of hanging out, and he's like, yeah. Yeah, Jesus, you know I love you. He's kind of not thinking about it. And then the third time, you see the repetition uh, that, that Peter started changes. It says Peter was hurt. I think at this point, the third question Peter remembered. Peter remembered that when Jesus needed him the most, when Jesus was on trial and they were getting ready to crucify him, Peter denied him three times. I think at this point, Peter kind of realized, man, I messed up. I didn't love you the way I should have. I didn't do what you needed me to do in your greatest time of need. And that response is different. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know, I love you. I think that's Peter saying, yeah, Lord, I did. I messed up. So now let's flip it and look at it, Jesus, look at it from Jesus' perspective. So how many times have you had to repeat yourself to somebody? So how many times have you had to repeat yourself to a spouse, a co-worker, a student, a fiancé, a son, Sure, that group right there, Jessica and Mom, can tell you how many times I've had to repeat things to me. Um, uh, it can get, if, if you're the one doing the, the repeating, it can get annoying. That you got to know you got to stay on them, otherwise it's not going to get done. and can get annoying. But also, on the flip side, you got to have a little patience to keep repeating yourself. Got to have a little patience. 
So Jesus repeats himself, repeats this question to Peter three times. One, because I think he wants Peter to know that he knows that he denied him three times. I think three is significant. But also, Jesus knows that Peter's going to fall short. Peter, Jesus knows that we're going to fall short sometimes. He's, Jesus is patient enough to, to repeat himself when he doesn't have to. He knows we're human. He knows, he knows we're not going to do the right things all the time. He knows we're going to fail sometimes. And still, he's patient enough to ask us multiple times. Matter of fact, if you look at the Greek, uh, the word love kind of uh, lessens the strength each time he asks. So by the time you get to the third love, it's almost like Jesus saying, Peter, do you like me? Jesus knows that we're going to fail. He knows that Peter failed. He knows that we need him to, to meet us where we are. And that's what Jesus does. Not only does Jesus know that he needs to, to repeat the question um, to us, he knows that he needs to, to encourage us more than once. When Jesus is asking the questions, he could have just been fine with Peter responding, yeah, you know, I love you. But he didn't stop there. Jesus commands Peter, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Jesus is telling Peter, and he's telling us that there's, an act, there's, there's some action on our part. The action's already been done by Jesus. Jesus was crucified and, and, and rose, and that's the, that's the major action. But there's a response on our part. There's a response, and there's an obligation for us to continue to move the mission of Jesus. And for Peter, it was, Peter, I don't need you to do the comfortable things. I don't need you to go back and fish. I need you to keep working on our mission. I need you to take care of my people. So what we have here is, is Peter and the disciples go from not knowing where, what to do, the guy they've been following and expecting these great things out of, is no longer there. They don't know what to do, so they do the comfortable thing, and then they fail. It goes from uncertainty to failure to now being called to love and to a life of action. So the question uh, that I ask you to think about is, how do we move from uncertainty and failure to a life of love and action? When adversity hits us, we lose our job and we're not sure where to go. When, when something happens and we're just, we're not sure what direction we need to go in. When we fail, realize we're, we're not going where we need to be or we're not showing um, exactly what we need to show and we fail. It's important for us to know from this scripture here that God understands that we fall short. He understands that we're uncertain sometimes. He understands that when we're uncertain, sometimes we're going to fail. And he's patient enough to ask us and meet us where we are. He's patient enough to ask us multiple times if we love him.
And not only is he patient enough to ask us those three times, he's going to encourage us too. He's going to repeatedly tell us what direction we need to go to continue to move his mission forward and take care of his people in our lives. So as we move forward, I hope you remember those things and uh, understand that, that God's patient enough to meet us where we are. He knows we're going to fall short and uh, he's going to encourage us more than, more than once. Amen. Stand as you're able for our final hymn, which is number 593.
go in peace. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you.